As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, welcome to the Unseen and Chapman pod on The Athletic. As usual, we're bringing you exclusive insights and stories from David and our team of writers. Today, we're going to have the best lines from David's column, including an update on Liverpool's thinking around transfers in the wake of their defensive injury crisis. Uh, We'll have news of a contract dispute maybe on the horizon between Wolves and Adama Traore. We're joined by our Derby writer, Ryan Conway, as well, after the axe finally fell on Philip Koku on Saturday evening. We'll hear what happened and also what could be next. And that, of course, means uh, whether Wayne Rooney will be Koku's replacement. To read all the articles we discuss on today's podcast in full, just head to www.theathletic.com slash Ornstein and Chapman to sign up for just £1 a week. David's YouTube show, Ask Ornstein, continues this week. Subscribers can submit questions in the comments section of David's weekly column on The Athletic. And I'm back on this podcast feed on Thursday alongside Matt Slater for our new pod, The Business of Sport. Okay, David, well, let's start the pod with one of the, uh, well, it's the headline in your column uh, today about Liverpool, their defensive problems and whether they will or whether they won't look to strengthen in January. You'd, You'd go down the unlikely to strengthen in January. Well, only from what I've heard from speaking to multiple people with really good knowledge of the situation, obviously when Virgil van Dijk suffered his potentially season-ending injury, there was a lot of talk about whether Liverpool would replace him, even more so with Joe Gomez's injury on England training duty last week. And now for many people, it's sort of inconceivable that they won't strengthen in January. But just reflecting my conversations, and, and, and it's not saying they definitely won't. It's not saying things won't change. But right now, from what I'm hearing, that they're not planning to sign a centre-back in January and the hope is that they will be able to go with what they've got and that results won't deteriorate and they won't suffer even more injuries in that position. They're doing pretty well in the in the Premier League and Champions League and they've got plans for the summer which are already being worked upon. As I say in the column, I'm not ruling out or I wouldn't rule out that maybe those plans could be escalated if the need and the availability marry up but 
at this moment in time and again that could change and we've seen things change with Liverpool and other clubs in the past the option to go with say a, a Matip a Fabinho a couple of the younger players I don't know if there's any other internal solutions but they're not looking to go into the market right now and I know there've been there's been a lot of speculation over the likes of Upamecano Koulibaly, David Alaba, and even sort of lower cost options, which would fill the gap. But I don't know if Liverpool would be happy going for lower cost options that would fill a gap if they're not better than what they've already got, with the hope that the the first choice pairing of Van Dijk and Gomez are going to come back once they're fit again. Yes, that's quite a long time away, but I I don't think it's as clear cut as just saying they're definitely going to sign somebody because from reflecting my conversations at the time of reporting that is not what I'm hearing okay let's bring Simon Hughes into this the Athletics Liverpool writer um is that your understanding or from the people you've spoken to do you think they might bring somewhere someone in or the other possibility they're saying they won't necessarily bring someone in so it calms everything and then they still do, because that's what they did in the summer with Thiago and Jota, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it's just to echo really what David said there, that Liverpool won't do anything if it jeopardises sort of the medium-term, long-term plan. I mean, they always work two or three windows ahead. And I think, they'd, from what I, from my understanding, that they'd, they'd had quite a bit of encouragement about... Um, deals for next summer around centre-halves. I think that was always the plan that obviously Lovren would leave. There's a couple of players that they wanted. They always have a, a list of, of four sort of priority players. And I believe that Dayot Upamecano, who I'm saying that right, he, he's definitely on that list. And his contract situation means that he, he could be available in the summer. So they're not going to go and sign a player in the short term who jeopardises the possibility of getting the player that they really want. And I think... Liverpool have got a track record of, of sort of doing that, really. When you think back to when they signed Virgil van Dijk, who obviously was viewed as a, as a key signing. He was you know, world, world record fee for a defender. There was the option to, to go and, and try and sign somebody else when, when the deal originally fell through for that in, in the summer of, what, what summer was it? It was 2017. But, but Jurgen Klopp decided, no, he was the player that I wanted. He's, he's the one who I'm going to hang, hang my hat on. And they ended up waiting for that deal and got it over the line. So it's a different situation now, of course, because you know, it's, a, it's a defensive crisis. There's no other way of putting it. I know it's, it might be um, might seem quite dramatic, but they do have a defensive crisis. They've gone from having sort of four established, you, you, you could say world-class defenders to having, to having possibly one. And Joel Matip's injury record would suggest that he's not capable of, of sort of taking control of that defence on a week-by-week week basis. So they do have major problems in that area. Um, who knows, they might have to go and, and, and you know, pay a, a tariff, on, on a higher tariff on somebody who they, they value for less. Depends what happens over the next couple of weeks because I don't think it can get any worse, really. Let's not, let's not forget Nat Phillips, who played against West Ham, was was on the verge of being sold to, to Bristol City in the summer. So it sort of shows you what the solutions are, the, the, the sort of options that they have at the moment. Uh, there's a few players further back in the pecking order. Billy Cometio, who's a young teen, who's a teenager who, who's very highly rated. He, he's had his own injury problems as well, which have sort of ruled him out for the start, start of the season when I think he might have got a few minutes on the pitch. So... 
it's it's something that it's a different situation that they're facing at the moment, and I, I suspect that that they may have to reassess uh, where they're at over the next couple of weeks. Because if it gets any worse, you know, that it's going to affect the whole structure of the team. You know, you, if you start putting midfielders in defence, then you, you 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 know you're risking the, the midfield not working quite as well as it has in the past. So it, it's it's a major problem for Liverpool at the moment, I think. And that point you raised, Mark, about. Liverpool having said similar things in the past and then and then going and making a signing and perhaps a public message or whatever that, that I'm quite interested to get Simon's thoughts on that because you know they didn't actually say last summer they weren't going to make signings they just sort of explained that you know it would depend on outgoings which ended up happening if you look at the sort of net spend um and they were it was also a very difficult market for many clubs because in the height of the pandemic a lot of them were saying things that as football returned things started to change a little bit and scenarios were made possible and and Liverpool's business last summer kind of did balance out in a way do, do you see it's a, a very good chance that if my information is correct and at this point in time they're not focusing on bringing somebody in and they hope that what they've got now will will see them through to maybe a summer plan do you reckon that's very likely to change or or, or do you reckon that that is genuinely their ambition right now it's a slightly different situation to the summer i guess i mean the message that i got back from the club about tiago in the summer it, it, it left a big gap for the possibility of that deal happening. It, it was never, we're not going to sign him. They never misled over that. It was just the message coming back was, well, you know, a lot needs to happen to get this deal over the line. It was more the other side. I, I was getting a lot of encouragement from people in Germany that I speak to and people potentially around the deal. I, I was getting the impression, well, you know, the, the, the club by Munich accepted that the player wanted to leave. The player wanted to come. So you've got two of the elements and Liverpool clearly wanted to sign him. So there was a lot of willingness on each party's, you know, each party which is involved in that deal for it to happen. It was just the circumstances had to be right. You're right in what you're saying. Liverpool had to had to balance the books and make sure that they had deals in, you know, they, they were confident they were going to get deals in terms of sales so that so they could justify bringing him in. So obviously the situation's different, this January transfer window. I mean, we're still obviously operating in a world where the pandemic's having a big impact on on the the day to day sort of revenues that are coming into the club. So, I don't think Liverpool can really necessarily afford to go and splurge a huge sum of money at this moment in time. Obviously, that they will have taken encouragement about the vaccine and everything else that they can get fans back into stadiums and start getting their match day revenues back up to, to towards the level that they would expect at a time when the clubs, you know, that the clubs are the champions of England. So, I suspect. I mean, I, I, again, a lot of it. Some of it will be the circumstance over the next couple of weeks. I, 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 I think that Liverpool can't really afford to lose any more players. I mean, obviously, Jordan Henderson picked up an injury playing for England last night, or at least he was taken off at half-time as a precaution. He was a player who I thought might end up sort of playing some games at centre-half, as he did in the World Club Championship last winter. He actually played very well, I thought, in that, in that position. But as I said, the problem is that if he goes and plays there, you need Thiago to be fit and Naby Keita to be fit to make sure that the whole structure of the team doesn't collapse. So it's... It, um, yeah, it it it'll be it'll, if they I would be if they could get the deal that that suits them that they think is valued for money, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out. But equally, I think Liverpool are acutely aware that they're in a quite a vulnerable position because obviously every club knows how desperate they are for a centre half. So that 
in, in theory, could inflate the prices that they, you know, the, the 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 clubs are looking for for players. When, as I said, when Liverpool know that there's there's a clause in Upamecano's contract at the end of the season, which could allow him to come for amounts of money, which which is certainly agreeable on on Liverpool's part. A player who's so highly rated, a player who you know that the club have lo- uh, watched a lot. You know, I, I think that they, they they would be reluctant to miss out on a deal for a player who. He's 21, 22, could play for the club for the next 10 years. So they don't want to do anything that would jeopardise the possibility of that deal happening. But we'll see, as you said, David, it, it can change quite quickly. Uh, I, I don't Put it this way, I don't see it being a Liverpool deal for Stephen Corker in the summer of 2016. <laughs> but also similar circumstantial sort of situations do develop, like you say. So if somebody like David Alaba was a target for the summer and everybody knows that he'll be out of contract if he doesn't sign a new deal with Bayern Munich, a lot of the clubs who are interested might try and strike some sort of arrangement in January because of necessity and availability, etc. I just, just before Mark picks back up, I just wanted to ask one more thing. Does, uh, does your information tally with mine? I, I don't sense that Jurgen Klopp's sort of smashing at the door to get a centre half right now. It, it seems that if things work out okay, it may be an opportunity for players. You mentioned Phillips. There's also Reese Williams, who's had a c- couple of Champions League appearances. And we're told that these are all decisions, the ownership, Michael Edwards, Jurgen Klopp. I don't sense that right now, as you said, things can change. But I don't sense right now, despite a lot of negative reaction f- f- from certain some Liverpool fans to the story that we put out this morning, completely dismissing it, suggesting it will be a disaster. Liverpool are doing well domestically and in Europe at the moment. And Klopp doesn't seem to be absolutely adamant that he has to sign a centre-back as things stand. I know the club in Woodley really like Reese Williams. I remember speaking to Alex Inglethorpe two or three years ago and I said to him who, who do you think you know could be the, the next one through the academy and I hadn't heard of Reese Williams at the time and he, he did say oh I think you know he's, he's got a really good chance and I was quite taken aback by that so when he went to to Kidderminster on loan again I was like well that, that's not a <laughs> that's not a really a, a sort of a natural path of progression but they, they obviously wanted him to, to experience sort of real sort of men's football and what it's like to play for three points and I know Jürgen Klopp's been very impressed with him but to throw him into you know, into this situation where it's you know the, the sort of it feels like the whole season could rest on whether whether he performs or not. I think it's a big ask of any any young player in a in a in a position which is a key position. So I think there's a lot that can, could happen over the next couple of weeks. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Liverpool can get the deal that they want. I think they'll go and do it, but I just think they won't just go and snatch at any any deal which 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 you know fills a gap in the team that they'll want. Any player that they sign to 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 have uh, some longevity at the club and and be able to 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 replace what they're they're missing. It won't be just a, a sort of knockdown, sort of bargain basement type signing. Just who fills a gap for for six months? It's just Liverpool just don't do business that way. I, I know you say it's a big ask of, of of Williams or Phillips, but you know some players have made their careers of taking a, an opportunity like this, haven't they? And and just because I suppose Phillips was close to going to Bristol City, there there could be a whole array of factors involved in that, couldn't there, Simon? You know, Liverpool saying, well, actually, when we look at it, there are four centre-halves ahead of you or three centre-halves. We've got Fabinho can play in there. Actually, you aren't going to get that many opportunities for the good of you in your career. We, we will sell you to, to Bristol City. It doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't 
good enough. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think yeah. the the one thing you, you sort of learn, even by Jurgen Klopp's career, I think he likes players with with sort of interesting backstories, like Nat Phillips. I mean, I, I found it, I found it quite interesting after the the game against West Ham when a lot of people were saying that he he, he should have been Liverpool's man of the match. I mean, Jurgen didn't really speak too <laughs> too positively about the, the level of grace with which Nat Phillips plays, shall we put it that way, and. You know, he, he said, you know, he's, he's basically a big, big, ugly centre-half who, who heads balls away. Um, so in some games, I'm sure that that sort of player will be necessary. They'll need somebody with a bit more physicality. Uh, I wasn't surprised that he was left out of the Man City game just because of the way Man City play. You know, how, how, you know, how, how intricate they are around the box. So I think he can play certain games of football for Liverpool. It depends on the opponents. I mean, a lot, a lot will depend on that, I think. So... He, he he could end up playing you know quite quite a few games this season. I, I think Jurgen Klopp's not one of these managers who believes that that every every career has a sort of a predefined direction. I think he knows that he, he does reward uh, strong performances in training, particularly you know if the, the player's doing so well in training that he that he can't ignore him, and that if he if he performs well in the matches. He will reward that, you know. So it's it's not he's not one of these managers who sort of thinks, well, I made my decision on him. He's gone, you know. He's not going to get a chance if he if he goes in and plays well. Then it's up to him, you know. It's it's up to the player to to go and prove that he's capable of um, capable of performing at that level. So I I just I just get the impression when I watch him, this is just my view that he, he looks like a, a a sort of a, a very good championship defender to play for Liverpool, you know. Champions of England, not not so long ago. Champions of Europe, it's a big, big jump, and um, we will see. But I mean, for the time being, he's obviously going to play games before before the new year. He's, he's going to have to because Liverpool's options are so so severely depleted in that area at the moment. Uh, thank you, Simon. Good to have you no on problem. as ever. Uh, and more from Simon and the rest of the Athletics Liverpool writers on our dedicated Liverpool podcast, The Red Agenda. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to Derby County next on the pod with the club releasing a statement on Saturday at five o'clock saying that Philip, that's in the afternoon, by the way, saying that Philip Koku's <laughs> 16th, well, you never know, do you, with some form no, of saying quite, that yeah. Philip Koku's 16th month tenure was ending after both parties mutually agreed to part ways. Ryan Conway is the Athletics uh, Derby writer. His piece on the site at the moment is entitled inside the unravelling of Koku's Derby. So much detail on it. Uh, and it would be fair to say, Ryan, first and foremost, that this has been coming for a few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, 
they had a little bit of a bounce back when they beat Norwich 1-0, but that came after a particularly damaging defeat at home against against Blackburn. You know, they were they were the better team in that game for 10 minutes and then three goals in four minutes and suddenly they were they were blown away um, and it all fell apart. So they bounced back a little bit at, at Norwich and then the the performances picked up quite significantly actually. Um they were very good in, in games against Nottingham Forest. They they were good against against Cardiff for forty five minutes against Huddersfield. I thought they were excellent. Um but their inability to kill games off and also not focus for the full ninety minutes meaning they always conceded um bit them. And then you you're looking at back to back home games against Queen's Park Rangers and, and Barnsley and you're thinking this is this is it. You have to get minimum four points, but ideally six to to start a little bit of momentum going into the international break, and and they lost both. And I think the manner in which they lost those games was was really uninspiring. And I think at, at that you know, particularly after the QPR one, which was the last one, Cocky was on the touchline for because he's self isolating. And um, I think that was the, the the point where it was like, yeah, we something has to give here. But they took their time before actually making a decision. Yeah, and, and I think there was there was a, a large acceptance that the start of the season there there was a lot of turnover at the club. I think I think seven players left and they also brought in seven players. They were playing the first four games of the season without any of their three top goal scorers from, from last season. Martin Wycorn and Tom Lawrence were um, injured and Chris Martin had, had left for Bristol City on a free transfer. I think there was a large acceptance that sort of, yeah, you're going to struggle if you don't have those guys and you're trying to integrate new players into the squad and players are still leaving the squad. But once the bulk of those players had, had got back, it was sort of, well, now what? Because all these players are back now and, you know, we thought things would, would pick up and they haven't. Ryan, reading your piece, which is outstanding, and I'd recommend anyone goes and has a look at it for themselves, despite being a very good man and really highly respected, it just seems that everything that could have gone wrong in a sort of managerial uh, departure did go wrong. It had all the ingredients that made this kind of inevitable. And now it leads us to the question that, that everyone wants answering is, is this Wayne Rooney's job? And really, I felt from the outside that the moment he came into the club that we were always getting towards that point at some stage yeah I think um, and again as, as I outlined in the in the piece thank you for, for complimenting that you know I think there is a feeling that, that really wants the job there was a couple of times where he off his own back did the not the post-match team talks but they almost served as that after losses against Luton last year and, and Blackburn this year came in as a, as a as a player coach and that at the time that role was always very oddly defined because he had no defined coaching role per se. You know, he would help with um, the analytics stuff and the cutting up of video clippings and, and stuff like that. But he was never really a, a defined role there. He is now going to be essentially co-managing with um, Liam Rossini. So I think it's uh, he's putting himself in the in the frame for it. And as as I as I said and outlined in the piece, there, there's a feeling that he wants that job. And if there is an appointment from within, it, it will be Rooney. And so it wouldn't be Rossini then if there's an appointment within, because it's an interesting dilemma for Derby. It's an interesting choice for Derby. You've got a, a, a man who has uh, won virtually everything that he could have won during his career, uh, a huge international footballer, but also with Liam Rossini, you've got someone who is who has done his coaching badges, has worked his way up, is a former player 
himself. And if you spend time with Liam, talking about the game with Liam, there is a seriously, seriously impressive thinker about the game of football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to speak to Liam uh, a few times, you know, just for, for press duties and stuff like that. Really engaging guy. Really enjoy talking to him. Um, never get the sense that, that he BSs you when you ask him questions. I always think he, he gives you really nice answers, uh, you know, honest answers. Um, and he is a, a, a fully qualified coach, as, as you say. Um, inter- internally, I know the club think very, very highly of him, which begs the question, if you think so highly of him, um, why is he not the, the favourite for the job? I can't answer that question. <laughs> Does it come down to a commercial aspect then? Because there was quite a lot of stories about the commercial side of bringing Rooney to the club in the first place. Do you think that's what will will matter most on making the appointment? Especially if new owners come in and yeah. want a big name. Yeah, I mean, it, it shouldn't matter most, but it probably will have some sway. Um, I did a piece not long after Rooney had joined about the, the impact that, he, that he'd had in terms of, you know, social media hits that the club's Twitter feed was getting in terms of, you know, shirt sales and YouTube views and, and stuff like that. You know, he, 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 gets, he gets the numbers up. Um, if you're a a new owner coming to the club, what better way to get more eyes on the thing that you've just bought than putting Wayne Rooney in charge of that thing? <laughs> Do you think this is a sort of sour end for Mel Morris with the takeover seemingly imminent now and and uh, Koku, big name appointment in his own right, pretty much ending in, in unfortunate failure? Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I think... He's done. He's done some good things in terms of what he's uh, put into the academy, and that is starting to bear fruit that we're seeing on on the pitch. Um, but you know, there will certainly be some disappointment had that he really wanted to be the guy to get them to the Premier League. You know, he's a he's a local a local lad who you know lived in, brought up in Little Over, which is just just down the street. Um, you know, he's a Derby fan. You know, he he really wanted to get the club back into the Premier League, and and I think was. Uh, too aggressive in that approach early in his tenure when I, I, they spent around 30 million I think in his first you know his first full year that he that he took ownership you know wanting to get into into the Premier League and it and it just hasn't worked out you know the the playoff final defeat last year was um upsetting um you know they they weren't really heartbroken about it but again to to have come so close once more and uh, and fall at the last hurdle was was upsetting and I think this sort of compounds that that misery that they were they were that close two years ago and now they seem further away than uh, than than ever before i was going to ask you a question on that actually about how far away they are i haven't seen a, a full 90 minutes of derby this season are they actually any good at the moment i mean is is bottom of an unfair reflection on the way they're playing and the quality within that squad? No, I mean, you know, as, a, as an NFL chap, as you know, the very famous quote, you are what your record says you are. Um, yeah. Dar- <laughs> Derby County are what their record says they are. They are bottom and right. they are deservedly bottom um, because at the end of the day, you don't get to bottom by fluke. But I am convinced that this is a good team. This is a good squad with versatile pieces, a lot of good quality a lot of invention. The signing of David um, David Marshall in goal was inspired. He's been magnificent and deserves more than one clean sheet to his name. Having watched every goal that they've conceded um, multiple times, I'm not sure any, apart from the, the, the opening goal of the Barnsley game, have been his fault. Um, he's been really, really good. Um, Camo Yosviat looks like he'll be looks like he'll be a star in, in the championship. 
Um, and they've got dependable players like Martin Wycon, Curtis Davis, Andre Andre Wisdom, Graham Shinney, Jason Knight. You know, this is a, a good squad. There are good players that can't get into that team. Dwayne, Dwayne Holmes is a, is a prime example. He was a, a key factor in, in turning hopes around um, in January and February until he broke his leg. And he's not really sort of got his, his form back from that. So that there are good players in that squad. I think that they are, I think they are a little bit off in terms of, Playoffs. I don't know. That sounds ridiculous because they're bottom. But I think when you assess the talent of the squad, I think if they were to get a striker, you could guarantee twenty goals a season from. That would go a very, very long way. And I think I think they maybe need a, a creative number number ten in in there as as well. They've sort of recycled that position a, a little bit, and it's been hit and miss. So yeah, it's a little a little bit off if we look at the talent of the squad. But right now, they have to focus on getting out of the relegation zone. And what is the latest on the takeover, finally, to, to try and give Derby fans listening a, a little bit of hope? Where are we at? Uh, yeah, my understanding is it's, it's close. Could be wrapped up um, this week. You know, I th- the understanding is that Mel Morris is going to stay on in the consultancy role. He's going to take a, a bit of a step back, but assist with a, with a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's pretty close. And I think the... the you know the departure of Koku is a, is another signal that yeah it's it's pretty close to happening now. That's great, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ryan. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh, and despite literally spending months of my life playing football manager, I'm still terrible at it. That's why I'm launching the Football Manager Show, the latest podcast from the Athletic. Every week, I'll speak to the people who know the game best, the people who make the game. We'll take a proper look at things like training, recruitment and tactics. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can to keep you eager to play just one more game and altogether less inclined to quit without saving. The era of Cherno and Tonton and dear sweet Michael Duff is over. The new football manager is bigger, better, more challenging than ever. And I need some help. If you do too, you can subscribe now. Just look for the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, wherever you get all your other podcasts. It starts in November, and knowing my track record, I'll be unemployed by December. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's just pick up a couple of other lines from your column this week, David, and and the situation with Wolves and Adama Traore. Yeah, this comes to you from Dermot Corrigan and Tim Spears. Um, and it's quite interesting because, you know, Adama Traore was one of Wolves' key players in over the last year or so, and... He's attracted interest from a lot of clubs. It seemed that a a new contract would be a formality. There's no real rush on this. He's under contract until 2023. But he suddenly slipped out of the team. I don't think he started since late September. And from people we've spoken to, or Dermot and Tim have, it, it seems he feels he's being left out of the team because the contract negotiations have kind of hit a deadlock and there's a standoff between the two parties. People, I think, at Wolves say that's not true 
and it's purely down to football reasons and Nuno Espirito Santo and Adama himself aren't involved in the negotiations. It's, it's people on their behalf. But it's strange because he's obviously made progress in recent times at international level as well. He's extremely dangerous a player. If he was to leave, Wolves would be expecting, what, double the, at least the 18 million they paid Middlesbrough for him in, in 2018. But yeah, that that's a really interesting story and, and one to watch, especially because we know that s- some of the Premier League and Europe's biggest clubs have been linked with him in the past. There's also news of uh, a potential uh, centre-back side, another one, yeah. potential centre-back signing for Manchester United. <laughs> this, this was actually information from a colleague that seems to have come under my name, David Carmo is um, is extremely highly rated. Uh, Sporting Braga, 21 years old. There have been some early comparisons drawn with Virgil van Dijk in terms of his sort of physique and, and ability on the ball. We understand that at least 10 different clubs have held discussions with his representatives, um, a number of them including Manchester United apparently and, and other members of, of the big six. Roma came closest to signing him in the summer. They had a €17 million Euros bid rejected. And uh, interestingly, a release clause that he had at the time, €20 million Euros, has now gone up to €40 million. So I think it's just another one to watch as um, an, another really interesting Portuguese player. Actually, just one extra point I should have mentioned on, on Adama is that he's not represented by George Mendes and, and some in the game think that that could be a, a bit of an issue around the contract standoff uh, with Wolves. So uh, yeah, two Portuguese situations uh, tied into one hmm. just there. Uh, and finally, we haven't mentioned Arsenal on this pod, so let's uh, rectify. Wow. Yeah, I know. Well, we need to rectify. And that, I don't obviously. even have to answer on it. It's going to be you introducing this. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're just going to uh, play this. James McNicholas has spoken to Matthew Flamini for a piece that's on the site today, so we can play you uh, some of that interview now on the pod. We used to to point football player for like a negative story. And I mean, now when we speak mm. about football players, when we speak about football. We have amazing stories. We have a very inspiring stories. And we can see that from, you know, like uh, from Marcus Rashford. We can see that from, from other players, you know, from other athletes. And that's very inspiring. I mean, that's the football we want to see. That's the type of story we want to communicate. And I think more and more athletes uh, have realized that it's not enough to perform on a pitch. It's also important to perform off the pitch. And performing off the pitch means like showing the right examples. I mean, now, I mean, athletes are becoming role models. They have a social responsibility. Mathieu Flamini there on the social responsibility that athletes have. Uh, you can listen to the full interview on the Handbrake Off podcast and read the article on The Athletic. And as we've discussed before, David, more and more footballers, more and more athletes taking up social causes social environmental uh, we've seen the incredible work done by Marcus Rashford um, we've had Hector Bellerin on the podcast he's a very close friend of Matthew Flamini talking about the environment sustainability plastics um, and much more besides and uh, you, you can find a number of other players who, who are who are either investing financially emotionally uh in, in this sort of thing because they realise both the importance of it and the platform that they have. Hector Bellerin has invested in Forest Green Rovers, a, a team who are leading the way um, 
on sustainability, I think Arsenal have just announced a deal themselves as a club um, on the morning we record this um, that's going to see them leading the way on on sort of certain environmental issues. Manchester United and, and various other clubs are, are taking these responsibilities seriously and realising what sort of effect they can have, especially with such enormous followings, both as clubs and individuals. So, yeah, check out that interview with Flamini. He's a really interesting guy and his sort of post football career journey um, has taken taken him a way that pretty much no other player has gone. Although I do think, uh, and I have seen him say before, that he's not completely finished. He, he would be open to opportunities. So um, you might not have seen the last of him on the pitch. You certainly haven't seen the last of him off the pitch with all of this very impressive work. Good stuff, David. Thanks very much for today. Pleasure. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. 